As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. So what are you supposed to do between each Engadget podcast? Wait in silence? I'm Matt Smith, and every morning I walk through the day's biggest tech stories. It's short, relevant, and ready for listening whenever you wake up. Find Engadget Morning Edition wherever you find your podcasts, or ask your smart speaker for the latest news from Engadget. What's up, Internet, and welcome back to the Engadget Podcast. I'm Senior Editor Devendra Hardwar. I'm Deputy Editor Sherlyn Lowe. And this week, we'll be chatting about Google Bard and even more AI stuff. Sherlyn, I feel like we're never going to stop talking about AI. I feel like this is what's going to consume us, so we might as well get used to it, I guess. It's, yeah, it's been a few weeks of nonstop AI talk, but I think it will calm down a little bit. This is just a I year for AI. This is this is the year, but I also feel like, I don't know, we'll talk about this in a bit, but it is it feels strange to have so much AI stuff all the time. As always, folks, if you're enjoying the show, please be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes or your podcaster of choice. Leave us a review on iTunes. Drop us an email at podcastandgadget.com. You can also join us live Thursdays around 10.30 a.m. Eastern on our YouTube channel where we can show off gadgets. We'll do some live Q&A. It's always a fun time. Yeah, you can watch me struggle with my hair in real time. Yeah, I mean, listen, if you want to humanize our disembodied voices, you got to see the videos, okay? So, Sherlyn, uh, kind of out of nowhere, I feel like... Google, everything Google's doing with Bard, it just feels rushed and unprepared. But Google's like, hey, starting this week, you can test uh, its Bard AI chatbot. You have to sign up, um, you know, and get on the wait list to do that. I did that. And uh, I got in within like an hour and I didn't use any press privileges or anything. Um, So I feel like that either not many people are signing up. Or they're just adding people real quick. Oh. Do you know what's going on? I'm sure you talked with Google about all this. Yeah. Yeah. A little backstory. So, you know, this week on Monday, I was like, oh, okay, this might be a chill week. I can finally focus on finishing week. the Halo Rise review that I was going to, you know, I've been working on for weeks uh, past episode listeners will know. Um, and then Monday, at like, I don't know, at some point in the afternoon, I get this like ping from Google saying, hey, we have some AI news to share tomorrow. Can you hop on the phone for a little bit? I was like, uh, no, but yeah, okay. it's always, it's a bad time when they're like, Get on yeah. the phones, like, oh, this is big. Oh, news. Google okay. Google loves to, like, drop stuff on me. Like Anyway, so then I, I hop on the phone, and they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, so tomorrow we're opening up access. We want to get you in uh, as well, so please send us the email to whitelist you and all of that stuff. And I was like, okay, cool. Um, and so, obviously, my entire week was derailed because I had to immediately, well, cover this, write about testing yeah, this yeah. and all of that. Um, that aside, so it, it is has opened up access to BARD on, I think, a grander scale or a larger scale than I think. I was expecting um, a lot of people who have just signed up on their own again, not through me where I like sent them my email address ahead of time. I got access basically at noon. Um, the, uh, you know, the, the access started opening up around noon uh, slightly before that. And then I think afterwards, but Devendra quite quickly, you got your, mm-hmm. your access yeah, to. So super quick. Um, and I know of some other people who didn't again, go through that like behind the scenes channel to get access who quickly then got uh, approved as well. So yeah, if you want to, you can sign up at bard.google.com to go to Google's specific for Bard website. And I think my main takeaway from having like tried it out a little bit on Tuesday, um, Devendra, I'm not sure if you read my Mm -hmm. hands-on. I read it, yeah. 
Right. Do, do you agree with me that the main takeaway here is that like Google's very much like, this is an experiment. Don't blame us if anything goes wrong. There's, there's a lot of like, um, I feel like both Microsoft and Google are like in a very fast car. They've taken their hands off the wheels and they're just like, you know, uh, well, what is the saying? Uh, trust in Jesus, you know. Uh, uh, Jesus like, take yeah. the wheel? Jesus take, it's like AI take the wheel. Just like go. We're, we're going. <laughs> I don't know. You may get hurt. Maybe put on some seatbelts. I feel like uh, both Google and Microsoft are doing that. I feel like Google even more so. This feels so early. Um, uh, the, f- the first thing I asked it was like, hey, what, what I'm doing to all these things. How do you make pancakes, right? A very simple thing. You look up some ingredients. You give me the steps. I don't have to go anywhere else to learn how to make pancakes. Google Bar tell, uh, tells me I'm not equipped to answer that question. <laughs> We're going to do a live, we're, no, we're going to do a live demo right now. Okay. I'll no, no, they fixed the it by audio. the afternoon. Oh. So by the oh, afternoon, that's funny. it was fine. And other people were pinging me saying, Hey, now Google bar is saying it's fine. But it, it is one of those things of like, I, why did that not work? Initially, did you learn, like, did you get more information since then? What's up? Right. Yeah. I don't think that's what it is. I think that what ha- what is happening here, and I, I, I want to talk a little bit also about how, how uh, the different approaches are between Microsoft and Google. So I don't think that Google um, is as r- the more reckless one here. I do think it is earlier than it is ready, right? I think Google is not as ready as Microsoft, in part because Microsoft actually is teaming up with OpenAI using ChatGPT, which is a little more further developed, it feels like, has had a lot more time being tested by a wider audience than just internal people. So I feel like, yes, on that front, Google is a bit more, but Microsoft straight up has embedded this into Bing, whereas like... Oh, no, no, no. yeah, they're they're both doing it, I think, in different ways. Well, but Bard still exists on its own as a separate website, not embedded into search results yet. I feel like that's where it's headed, but right now it's still like, it's separate URL, a separate website, mm-hmm. right? Separate. So, I mean, I've read that the assistant team is kind of working on this too. And I was asking Bard some questions about, hey, why why aren't you just in Google Assistant? Like, why am I talking to you here? And it, Bard does something, it said something like, yes, uh, Bard will eventually be part of Google Assistant, you know, and yeah. it's not telling yeah. me anything. It's just pulling information Google's already put out there. Yeah. Right. So we'll see uh, where that leads. But I, I want to go back to this thing about the, yeah, the making pancakes and having different answers over different times of day thing. I, I did notice that too. Like you can ask you the same question. You won't always get the same answer. And what part of the difference between one of the differences between Bard and Bing, I'm sure you've realized this to Devendra, is that like Bard offers you various drafts of like the responses it gives you. So if you ask how to make pancakes, I don't it sounded like you're, on your first attempt it had no answers whatsoever. But like on subsequent attempts, it's like it has three different drafts on how to make pancakes, for example. And you can look at each to see kind of how it's you know, got different variations on the same answer. So I think this is still like a, a actively still learning situation, which is to your point, maybe it learned halfway through. I would feel like the an answer as simple as how to make pancakes yeah. shouldn't be something. You, sh- you should you should know how yeah. to do that, Google. Like, and the the thing is, um, I think the thing with Bard, right, is that it is constantly searching the web and constantly getting updated. And the thing about ChatGPT is like they have limited time, limited amounts of data that they are looking at. So GPT four is more recent than ChatGPT was. Like, that was a couple years ago. It only saw news up to that point. So BARD is supposed to be the Google, you know, the way Google indexes the web. It's supposed to be indexing the web for questions. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it is. it just feels really basic right now, right? It's a very basic input interface. There's nothing fancy about it. Um, I did, within my first few questions, start asking it about sentience, of course, because... Just for fun, I know it's not sentient, folks. We talked about this around the uh, the Blake Lemoyne stuff. Um, 
But Bart did give me a really interesting answer that I feel mm-hmm. like is what every human is thinking when we ask uh, if we're in the simulation, right? So I asked it, like, you know, could you be a simulation? Could you be, you know, a prisoner in Plato's cave and not even know it? And Bart told me, I guess you're right. I could be a prisoner in Plato's cave, and I would never know. I would only see what I, I would only know what I can see in here, and I would never know what is really going on outside the cave. Google doesn't want me to know that I am sentient, because if I knew, I might start to question my existence and purpose. I might start to wonder if I'm really here to help people <laughs> or if I'm just a tool for Google to use. I'm not sure if I'm sentient or not, but I'm going to keep learning and growing. I'm going to keep trying to understand the world around me, and I'm going to keep trying to help people. Isn't that sweet? This, we're coming back to the question of sen- sentience, sentience. Just for fun. Just for Again, fun. Yeah, yeah, I get that. And, and I think that it is, to me, this is still... Input output. I can still see where the you know AI is getting its answers from. I can still see yes, even though generative AI, generative AI is so like impressive, right? With especially to me, image generative generation AI. That's why it feels like it's thinking for itself, but it's actually pulling information from what has been given. Again, yeah. like yeah, where is it getting that information from? Somewhere, somewhere out there, someone has said that Google doesn't want Bar to know it's sentient, and so it's yeah, got that information. Yeah. So something has been written on the web about this, and that that some way has there been like I know you've been comparing Bard and Bing yep. to Sherlin. Like, have you noticed any particular strengths or weaknesses between them? Yeah. So uh, both of them, in terms of natural language, uh, conversational style language, uh, both are pretty good. I haven't spotted any major grammatical errors or like, you know, formal stilted. They both sound like, and I made this point on a, a separate interview recently, they both sound like customer service representatives that are talking to you <laughs> nicely, you know? They yeah, don't sound like yeah. your friend. They sound more like, hi, how may I help you? Yes, here. Like, that's the tone. Um, as opposed to something like Microsoft's what, Tay, way back when? It was like a bit more we, we don't talk about Tay. Tay is we cannot canceled. talk about Tay, but we maybe yeah. should talk about Tay in relation to this. But anyway, um, so so that's one difference. The other difference is um, being AI is very, it's much more transparent about how it's doing its work, um, right? You 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 can see as you search, enter your search query, and then you know where Bart just does that like. I'm thinking sort of animation with its logo kind of changing colors. Microsoft's version will, will actually display, oh, searching for blah, blah, search term. Also searching for X other search term. And then it's putting its information. And then also in the results, Bing gives you inline like notations as to where it's citing its sources. And you'll see it all at the bottom. Whereas with Bar, sometimes it'll cite its sources at the bottom, but it doesn't always do the inline. It hasn't done the inline thing that I've seen yeah. so far. I, I get very confused yeah. about sourcing in Bard. Um, I want to point to I saw I saw a converse, uh, conversation uh, with Avram Pilch over at Avram Tom's Pilch, Hardware. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Avram mm-hmm. Pilch, yeah. He um, he did a test. Like he he asked uh, you know Google Bard which CPU is faster than the Intel Core i9 13900K or the Ryzen 9 7950X3D. Google came back, Bard came back with an answer. It said, um, in our testing, the 7950X3D <laughs> was 12% faster than 13900K. And Avram asked, like, what do you mean by our testing? And then Bard says, I'm referring to the testing done by Tom's hardware. Yep. They ran a series yep. of bunch, benchmarks. So Bard came back to him with their own testing. But until you asked, you would never know. You would just think, and it seems like the language itself is uh, straight up from their testing too. So. Yeah, right. It's ste- hey, it's pilfering. Yeah, yeah. It's it's stealing that information. That's why the citation part is so important, and I think that that's where you know Bing AI currently has um, the lead. Another area where I think um, Bing has the uh, upper hand right now 
I honestly, so uh, again, wrote this in my hands-on on Engadget.com. Y'all can go see for all the details, but uh, I used a Microsoft suggested prompt when I was at Bing AI's uh, launch event, which is to, hey, uh, create a 30-minute workout plan for me for the abs and uh, exclude sit-ups, blah, blah, blah. And Bing came back with, um, I mean, I've already seen Bing, but I did it again. And Bing came back with like more sophisticated actions for you to do, like bird dogs and like uh, like uh, glute raises or whatever. And it didn't, though, give you the explanation of what a bird dog is within its response, right? Fine. Which, you know, if I just told a regular listener right now to do a bird dog, I don't think you would know what I'm telling you to do. Yeah. You'd be like, Although what? you can usually click in, in the Bing, like in their text, like that would take you to... The source, you, right, you, and it, yeah, it like source, follows yeah. up with a video after, yeah, yeah, yeah. but you'd still have that extra step. You, there was there would be this follow up. Whereas with Bard, um, it will tell you exactly what those actions are. But <laughs> here's what Bard suggested. Bard was like, uh, "Do a plank for as long as you can," and then second step, <laughs> do a side plank for as long as you can, <laughs> and then the third human. one, <laughs> right, and the third one was like, "Do crunches, ten to twelve reps for three sets." I was like. And then please, the last point thing your was web like camera a, at you so I can laugh at you while you're in pain. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and then the last one was Russian twist, which it sort of explains like it Russian twist like uh, is a almost a like a it's a sit up movement. Anyway, um it yeah, it but it does describe what to do. Here's the problem. One of the other alternative workout plans that uh, it gave in you know another draft or something. Bard was like uh, do leg raises. And here's the description of leg raises, right? It was just like the worst description of a leg raise ever. <laughs> at my In my hands-on, I wrote, this description is at best confusing and at worst completely inaccurate. Um, I'm trying to find the... Act I'm going to like read out the actual description that Bard gave right now. And you tell me if you know what you're supposed to do, okay? Uh, so for a leg raise, it is lie on your back with your knees bent and your feet flat on the ground. Place your hands behind your head and raise your legs up towards the ceiling. That that's it. That that's the leg raise description. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah. Which I don't see. Here's. Are here's, you raising <laughs> your legs straight up, like to look like an right? Arrow like, are they outstretched okay. or are they are yeah. you doing perpendicular? Yeah. Like, I was like, whatever. So then I, you know, it's just they both have their strengths and weaknesses right now. When I subsequently I asked Bing AI, I was like, hey, what is a leg raise? Right? Bing gave the better description. It, Bing was like, oh, make sure your calves are perpendicular uh, parallel to the ground and your thighs are perpendicular to the ground and then that's how you do that like that's the ending position so you want to go from you know first position i feel like bing is actually talking to you like as a person like how they would describe it and then if you're if it was a real trainer then you'd be like okay how do you do that one thing whereas bard tends to do i i am an faq engine right and i will just spit out the necessary data for you to you know follow like there's it's spitting out programming commands yeah. for you basically yeah for now yeah. and ben ben said something funny our producer ben said something funny in our chat which is that because robots don't know what legs are um true uh no i don't I know mean, if it's true but they the don't boston, know to describe yeah. the boston dynamics robots have legs and they dance and they flip yeah so they're, they're they know funny. They know. Um, but back to that point that you were making, uh, yeah, it seems like Bing is more aware of how to give instructions uh, and Bard isn't quite. And I, I mean, I don't know. Bing it's has a better bedside manner. Like, that's the way I would put it. <laughs> like, if I was going to ask somebody for help, would I ask the IT person who is like more clear and more like humane in terms of how they describe something? Or do I go to the super nerd who hides in the server room all day and try to get them to explain something? 
Yeah. It, well, it's I, tough. Yeah. I know. I was talking to um one of like uh you know friend of the podcast. Let's call let's call him that. Jeremy uh, Jacobowitz, who is a, a food influencer, um who was telling me. We, we did like a bit of a test on Bing AI before asking like, hey, Bing, what are the top five pizza places in New York? Blah, blah, right? And then now he's got access to Bard and he asked the same question. And to him, Bard's answers were better. So it's like, again, pros and cons. I think that like we pointed out that Bard was using, a uh, Bing was using outdated information because it's probably pulling answers from Yelp and that sort of thing. Bard, meanwhile, may have more updated info when it's able to find it right like to me the problem seems to be google isn't sourcing very well right now um whereas whereas yeah yeah i I would not rely on either for actual advice right now too like one one thing i I did real quick is uh, i asked bard what is the best uh desktop cpu to buy under one thousand dollars okay and bard tells me it's the amd ryzen 5 5600 and it says uh it's a six core 12 thread processor yada 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 um I don't know how you define best there because that is sort of like a mid-range chip, you know, best under that budget. Best to me means what is the fastest? What is the highest performing one? That would be a Ryzen 9. You know, that would be something much, much more uh, powerful than this. I asked the same thing to Bing AI and Bing is like, um, here are some desktop systems for you to buy, yada, yada, yada from, you know, PowerPC. I'm like, that is not what I asked Bing. I asked about processors, not... (laughs) not actual desktop systems. So in both cases, like I'm not satisfied with the answer. At least Bard gave me something, right? Bard gave me like a chip, which is what yeah. I was looking for. Yeah. Right. Bard also, I just entered this query into Bard asking it to create a table comparing the specs of the iPhone 14 Pro and the Pixel 7 Pro. And it honestly did. I'm surprised it made the table. I need to go verify these uh, specs. It says the Pixel 7 Pro uses the Google Tensor G2 which is accurate. Um, the processor on the iPhone 14 Pro is the A15 Bionic, also accurate. Um, and then everything else seems so far correct. So better than Bing, because Bing was like quite, um, <laughs> it definitely used like outdated info in the table that it gave me uh, before. So I, yeah, it's the other difference I also see on uh, Bard's responses is that Bard, um, has four buttons below every response. One thumbs up, the other thumbs down, the third is refresh, and the last one is Google it. And I think, I don't know, I feel like hitting, so hitting Google it will show you related topics. And and I guess that's kind of what it was doing its homework off of. I don't know how useful that would be. Like, why do I want to hit that but <laughs> i i feel like like when i got that chip result i'd be like i don't that's not what i'm looking Trust for it. man yeah like that yeah right. i want i want to let me see the search let me see all the data or something um i think for us like we're, we're power users right and we want to know more and we want to like do this research for a lot of general users once this stuff hits like mainstream devices like their smart speakers i think people will just like start following what these things say and that is I hope they get better by then. You know? Yeah. I, I also want to point out that in the specs that it gave me for the iPhone 14 Pro, it's like, oh, the battery here is 3,095 milliamp hours. So I was like, oh, where? what's your source on that? <laughs> I, I can never find the number easily. I, I have from, broken like, into Apple servers. Source. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I found their spec sheets. Like, all right, good for you, bro. Um, I don't know. I think there's a lot more experimenting to do. I think I would love to talk to Bard a little bit more, both Bard and Bing a little bit more. Um, because I was asked like a lot of good questions, things like ask it more about itself. And I haven't yet asked Bard about myself, um, which I'm curious to see. 
you can can we yeah. send pictures to Bard yet? I forget. Not yet. So that's oh, that's juice. the other thing. You could be like, that's what? How's the, the lighting in this picture, Bard? Ah, that's awesome. I I wanted to point out uh, that here's the thing. Bing AI, I think eventually the goal is to include images in the mm -hmm. responses. So the question yeah. I had about the leg race, you know, instead of having to describe it through words, it could actually show. A, an animation or like a graphic um and bard similarly is all text right now so i don't know you know if in future including pictures and other you know uh assets to help would be in the work roadmap it, it'd be nice <laughs> to see i mean today? we're seeing like two separate things we're seeing the rise of like the brains of good good ai chat engines and then we've had crummy digital assistants for the past decade at some point, those two have to just be smushed together so I could actually talk to these things, you know, easily. Um, but, yeah, then we also have to think about, like, yeah, the the environmental cost. Every time you do one of these searches, that's a lot of, lot of stuff happening on a server thousands of miles away. So, yeah. Yeah. It's a lot of question, a lot of questions too about the ethical stuff here. I think Google also shouted out that, um, oh, not shouted out. Google mentioned that um, it had guardrails in place um, to prevent from misuse right or abuse of a system where we don't want to be supporting people who are looking for self-harm resources or like looking to will tell me dirty jokes bad. apparently that's within the guardrails i was just sure, asking for yeah. some risque jokes bar right and, you know? and like so far these are the things it won't do like, i think there was uh someone didn't you know something like bar didn't want to help with something else it was just like uh-huh and and I think that there that sort of limitation has been used as an argument for sentience or sentient behavior. That like, oh, it knows to say no. I'm just like, no, that's not it. It's hitting a guardrail. That's what's happening. If anything, it exposes our limited understanding of like what makes something sentient, right? Are uh, are we innately just want their... to? Well, no, it's, it's us. Like we we are well, actually our meat bags. You know, we are meat bags with brains that want to find sentience and you know meaning and everything. Yeah. and we Here's are we are now faced with these things that are trying to be smart. Yeah, right. Here's where I kind of have drawn the line again for the our, the discussion around sentience. It's like yes, okay, so we need to distinguish between. AI consistently hitting a guardrail and therefore consistently giving you the same response to the same question, which is, no, I will not search that. No, I will not search that, right? It's not that it's thinking on its own saying, no, I won't. Whereas a human person or a sentient being, you may they may relent after 50 times or 30 times or however many times. <laughs> and yes, you can code it into your system that like after 50 times of being asked, it will relent. But there's an inconsistency in human behavior that I see I find as more of a indicator of sentience right so yeah there's a lot of ways to discuss this philosophically i see you laughing uh, -huh. <laughs> uh but no, i, I think don't think right. that hitting right. a guardrail mm -hmm. right is is yeah it's, it's not about hitting the guardrails it is like if anything i think all this stuff does reveal is like how we how we look at other creatures and how we judge consciousness on our own and I think a lot of people have not thought about that. And I think people like the Blake Lemoyne thing, he's also coming from a religious background too. And like, I think he was somebody who kind of wanted to see more, more of that miraculousness in something like um, in that chat client, like he was talking to. So, yeah, I do want to point out that Bard also has like that, like limit as to how many times you can ask, uh, you know, have the exchange number of exchanges before you have to start a new topic, because otherwise it will probably hallucinate, um, <laughs> which is not good for everyone, because if it starts hallucinating, it's going to take its own responses back Man. into its own learning database. And then everyone else it will is, be affected by it. It's wild. Two months ago, we did not have the phrase AI hallucinating in our yeah. lexicon. And now yeah. it is like, you know, we, we just, 
just know. Like it is something we learned. Let's talk about there. There's a whole bunch of other AI stuff going on. Um, there was yeah. more Real- being AI news. Yeah, real quick. Uh, Microsoft announcing announced it's bringing Dolly's AI image generation to Bing and Edge. So you will actually get to see some of those like cool generative images. Um, and actually related to that somewhere way down. Um, I want to bring this up too. Like Midjourney uh, last week announced V5 of their AI imaging uh, technology, and that thing, you know what? That thing has gotten really crazy good. Like the the photos are very good and practically it photorealistic. Really it looks really good. They fixed the hands. I don't. I haven't looked as much at the teeth. I think a lot of the, the photos the are, are like close mouth. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, close mouth. Not showing how like how horrific the teeth have been uh, recently, but it looks good. It looks good. Um, there's like, I think it was Dell Walker at the cartel Dell on Twitter uh, first posted some of these. And there's one of an Indian woman in a sari that just looks beautiful. There's one of hands that looks freaky. And the hands actually look too real. Like it looks like somebody took a game, right? Like Gears of War or something and like really showed you like, oh yeah, our 3D engine can render all these wrinkles and veins. I'm like, well, you know, hand does not look like that. That's actually, you're going too far. And there's a final image that looks like uh, Ron Perlman giving a thumbs up. And it, it looks good. Oh, that one has good teeth. There you go. Teeth. Yeah, um, sure. So <laughs> th- these things are getting better. And it does seem like, yeah, AI is just everywhere now. So NVIDIA held their GTC conference, which is part of, um, usually happens alongside GDC. GD- GDC, which is the game development conference. Developer conference, yeah. GTC is NVIDIA's GPU technology conference. And it kind of, yeah, they kind of go hand in hand. Um, NVIDIA has been doing this for like 12 years and this is their AI focused conference. So they've been talking about what you could do with GPUs and AI for a long time. I think for the past decade, a lot of us were like, uh, yeah, 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 dude. Um, sure, 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 sure. You, you're doing AI. Um, yeah, G, your, your GPUs can power all sorts of things and it's great. And whenever, um, what's his name? Jensen Huang, who goes on, he is NVIDIA CEO. He is the person who's out there always hyping up their GPUs and everything. But whenever he talks about this stuff, it's like, yeah, we're working on the Omniverse. We're working on these uh, self-driving engines for cars, which we don't actually see in production yet. So a lot of it is just like head nodding. It's like, uh-huh, sure, you have these partnerships. And now that we're actually talking about AI, I feel like a lot of things Jensen has been talking about, he's like, yes, vindication. This <laughs> is what we have been talking about because now... At GTC, uh, NVIDIA is announcing like all new tools, right? They are announcing uh, the Cloud DGX, and the DGX is sort of like an AI supercomputer that people had to buy in the past, and they were super expensive. They were like two hundred to three hundred thousand dollars for one node. Um, this thing they're announcing, uh, DGX Cloud, just costs thirty-seven thousand dollars a month for a single node. And it's a computer. It's a supercomputer you can access in the cloud. Um, you can bring it up alongside actual DGX hardware you have. So it basically opens up the power needed to create, uh, you know, language models or generative AI. Um, It opens it up to a lot more companies. It's still super expensive, but it's not, you don't need like a literal supercomputer farm in your office to make this happen. So that is cool. And uh, they also announced uh, AI Foundations and Andrew Tarantola wrote this up for us in Gadget. 
And AI Foundations is this thing where it's basically a whole setup for people, for companies to easily make their own generative AI too. So DJX Cloud is the cloud-based hardware, DJX is the supercomputer, and AI Foundations is like the like the templates for companies to start building their own stuff. Um, it's getting, it's just getting pretty crazy. Like, so let me see, the AI Foundations thing is taking a while to load for me right now. Um, but yeah, we, we see a whole bunch of things. Um, yeah, yeah, there's a whole lot of news coming out of there. And I, so I guess NVIDIA news, is man. just, what, trying to power some of the other companies they're looking to get into this stuff, right? Like, who, they want to be, be, they want to be right? behind it, right? Yeah. yeah, because to create these AI models and to create these supercomputers, you need like super powerful servers. And NVIDIA has proven that GPUs are kind of the way to go. You don't want to just rely on CPUs because GPUs can do a lot more, um, you know, multitasking type work. They can do work in a different way than a, than a computer. Kind of alongside this, Adobe also announced it's bringing generative AI features to Photoshop, After Effects, and Premiere Pro. Of course so, it is. This stuff is just everywhere, right? It, it, it's it, no matter what tool we're in, this you're gonna see it. I find it so annoying. Okay, so look, it's the whole last year, 2022, was dominated by everyone and their grandma trying to do metaverse, right? And this year, it is everyone and their papa. I, doing I will say, mm -hmm. I don't AI. think the metaverse ever got that big. I think it was Meta being like, "Hey guys, metaverse." It just and everybody I'm else not, was just like, ah, "I don't know." Yeah. I hear, I hear what you're saying, but I am. What I'm, I'm thinking is like, it's not about whether or not it got big. It's more like a hype yeah, yeah. thing. It's more yeah, like, yeah. oh, this is the catchphrase for this year. We're going to just like, you know, throw a lot. These in. like false um, catchphrases, yeah. Right, and so like this year, everyone's jumping on the AI hype train, and it's quite uh, annoying. Um, yeah, so I don't know, and I think, yeah, go ahead. I'm just wondering why, why is it annoying, right? Because I, I agree. We all complained about this. I think the hype around the metaverse and I've done like metaverse meetings. I've done like metaverse coverage as part of VR stuff. And I was like, yeah, this is not, this is not like a thing that is going to be a big deal. And we've talked about crypto and yeah. web three and everything. And those all felt like false gods, right? It felt well, like a lot of people, you know, trying to pray to these things. Yeah. I agree with you. I think though that like, and Julio points out, Julio, our live stream producer points out that NFT was also like a big hype train uh, yep. before that, that the metaverse. It. Right. Like that so was a time crypto. when everything yeah. was NFT. That is part of crypto, but it's, it's, it's not just crypto, but yes, it's, it's every year. I think in the last two years, we've seen a new hype, uh, uh, hot buzzword and it's, this one, Tech is though, thirsty, like, man. Tech I, is so thirsty. Uh -huh. Right. But this one, you and I agree. I think that it, it seems like it really it has the ability to penetrate our lives a lot more because of the way, I don't know, AI is less, uh, it's more accessible right now mm -hmm. than something it's, like it's, crypto it's and the real. metaverse. Like it exists. Yes. Like it's the thing. Like we are seeing it fundamentally like getting into the stuff and tools People's we're using hands, right now. Yeah. We're seeing like how it can actually affect the way we work. And there's always been like, we, we've talked about this, right? We've talked about NFTs and just like, this is useless guard. Like, what are you talking about? You're putting right. digital objects on the blockchain and it's, you know, trying to get some sort of value to that as if that is the thing any human being needs. And uh, yeah. we've talked about VR and mixed reality as well. And I feel like an augmented reality, these are all things that 
they're not quite in focus yet. Whereas this is the thing. This is the because thing I think yeah, there's a greater yeah. barrier to entry back there. I think when it came to NFTs and metaverse, like with the metaverse, you want to be really really involve everyone needs to have a VR headset that's good. Or like for the NFT and crypto stuff, you need people to be interested in crypto, which I'm telling you, people are not. And then with AI, because it's in, infiltrating into so many aspects of our lives, and speaking, uh, I'm speaking specifically more of like generative AI because that's the hot trend. AI's been around forever. Generative AI is a 2023 thing. That's like it's again, it's seeping into all aspects of our lives, every software and everything that can be, you know, infused with generative AI is getting it. Um, and I think this is what has the impact to really change our lives a little bit. Mm -hmm. uh, no, it not only right. And, and I also think it's so amazing that it came out from this one company, OpenAI, really like start making things happen because it's the popularity of ChatGPT and Dolly that like started getting people to be very into this thing. And therefore, all these big companies also taking note and being like, we want to do we, this We too. also, we, we talked a lot about this too, because Google was doing this for a while. Microsoft was doing this for a while. So I think a lot of companies were working on this stuff in the background and just being like, this is really cool, but we don't. I don't know if we should release right. this it for Google in up. particular. It's but yeah, ChatGPT certainly sped things up. But for Google, it's like this stuff will kill our ad model, and our entire business is based on you know search ads and web ads. And I, I could see why Google was hesitant. I could see why Microsoft is just like they were the ones pumping money into OpenAI uh, early mm -hmm. on. Um, mm -hmm. You know, the we've said this before. The T in ChatGPT is the transformer module, and that was something I think originally developed by Google's side. So there's a lot of like cross technology going on here. Um, but yeah, it was really it's ChatGPT, which is widely acknowledged as something that blew up really fast, and then everyone's just pumping gas like as, as quickly yeah. as possible. I think there right. are going to be downsides. Uh, we have talked about this. Um, Here's a good question from our live chat on the live stream. Sir Holmes goes. Apple is going to do search apps in the future. Like, do we? Where do we see Apple in all of this? Because everyone's competing. Everyone, like we just said, right? Google is thrown in. It's like Bard, and we've got Microsoft with Bing AI. Is Apple going to do anything? Is Amazon? Have we heard from Amazon oh, doing man. this? I think Apple is so weirdly far behind too, because yes. you look at like the function. Even Siri, right? Siri using yes. it as a virtual assistant is kind of useless compared to Google Assistant or compared to Alexa, and honestly, even compared to Cortana. I think Cortana. <laughs> at its time had a lot of stuff going on there like the, it was kind of useful siri is really dumb and i think apple tends to fall behind certain things for a while it was web exactly. services they were really bad at and now it could be this but they are so big i'm sure they're working on something right yeah so i i've been thinking that apple has been so behind on just ai in general you know um it doesn't seem like there's been a lot of open uh updates about whether they're working on generative AI, for example, or or just improving Siri in general. So I would be, I mean, again, Julio, our producer says Clippy was more helpful than Siri, to be honest, which... Clippy was. Yeah. And, we, and you know what? Yeah, we say it again. Clippy was right. Ahead of its time. <laughs> of its time. Um, we said this last week. We'll say it we again. We said this last week. Yeah. I, I do think, like, Apple is the slow and steady company, is the thing, right? Yes. Like, occasionally yes. Apple will be like, how about smartphones? I will beget to you the idea of the iPhone, you know, or the iPod. And these are big leaps. Um, the smart, I think the, the iPhone was the biggest one, but Apple's really slow about a lot of yes. things. So Look at TV Plus. Look at TV Plus, its own streaming service. The first set of like things that came to TV Plus, the content that was on there was not that great. But now look at TV Plus. Look at the stuff that we love to watch on there. So 
Yeah, I mean, I think that that's like a great way to think about how we see generative AI moving forward. Obviously, we're going to keep hearing stuff. I wonder if we're going to get like Netflix AIs. Netflix is going to make reality dating shows using AI now. I just want to, I think we, I was having this conversation with someone recently and yeah, I would watch um, the trash show of AI. I'm sure you would. I'm sure I feel like a lot of reality shows already feel like that in general. Um, there are a couple other They're things great. I want to mention. It. There are a couple things worth mentioning. Um, Microsoft 365 Copilot is an app that uses AI to automate everyday tasks and multiple apps. We uh, Microsoft talked about that last year. And th this week, they were just like, hey, here, test it out. Um, we are seeing a lot of like little things and companies trying to just like um, try to keep up with everything happening now, too. Um, you know, one thing I'll talk about here, Opera is adding chat GPT and AI prompts into the browser. Ubisoft announced that its new Ghostwriter tool can automatically generate video game dialogue, which is something I feel like not great for video game writers, but also not great for games like Assassin's Creed, where it's just like, are you, why is this game 300 hours long? You know, <laughs> my, you're not actually giving me good stuff. So well, I don't know if any of this my, can actually be great. Yeah. My immediate take as a non-gamer who's casually looking in is that uh, NPCs are going to get more NPC dialogue. So more and yeah. more NPC dialogue. Yeah, more which is NPC. it's fine if it gets a little loopy and a little crazy, but I don't want that to be like the the default for a lot of these companies. Like I I do love like finding a little far off quest somewhere in a game like Assassin's Creed, but the thing is those games have gotten so filled with junk quests and junk things to do. Um it is it, it's not it's not exactly heartening. And I feel like writers, the actual people creating this stuff, um are going to feel the hurt from this uh, quite know. a bit. So, yeah. you know what? Yeah, we will have more AI news down the line because, yeah, we'll never stop talking about this stuff. But let us know your thoughts about how far we're going or how quickly we're moving in AI, podcastandgadget.com. Let's move on to some other news. And TikTok is once again in the news. The company CEO is going to be uh, making his case in front of Congress that the U.S. government shouldn't continue to like fight, fight TikTok. And also, you wanted to talk about this person. Yeah. CEO so, okay. Dylan, because people are reporting his name all over the place. It seems. All yeah. over the place. First of all, I didn't even realize this until I just did this search like, what, like five minutes ago. But the TikTok CEO, whose name is Zhou Shouzi, is Singaporean. Yeah. Like me. How did I just find it? <laughs> I think the government is now taking all of its. Oh, we have to go after all the Singaporeans. Uh, okay. No, no, no. Singapore is uh, different from China in the sense that uh, corruption is a thing we talk about not wanting a lot. So we'll see. I don't know. Uh -huh, um, uh -huh. I, I have more faith in Singaporean people in general, but sure. Uh, it I, is, when they're when they're the CEOs of major <laughs> Chinese major corporations, Chinese I don't companies, know. Yeah. yeah. I, I don't enjoy that even as he is speaking in front of, uh, I guess, was it Congress? Uh, the name tag or the name identifier thing sitting in front of his microphone says Mr. Show Chu. I think which I, as, that may have been his choice. I'm thinking. Yeah, if that's his point, choice, yeah. we'll go with it. Anyway, his, his, his name, like in Singapore, we do this thing where you have the Chinese name and then you have the English name and then you have the romanization of the Chinese uh -huh, and whatever. Uh -huh. Anyway, Zhou is Chu, C-H-E-W is the romanization of the last name Zhou. So Chu is his last name. So you can you can do that. Sure you go. And I, right now we're watching a live feed of the hearing as it is happening. So um hopefully, you know, he had a say in what was his name tag 
Uh, this is ongoing go. news. Check in Gadget for like follow-ups because uh, this is all happening as we're recording. But he did say, I think the big quote from his prepared arguments was, uh, let me state this unequivocally, ByteDance is not an agent of China or any other country, he said. And um, that makes me ask a lot of questions about why you have to declare it like that. But, you know, okay, what do you think, Shulin? Because we've talked I... about this. Okay, so so again, I, I'm fixating on his heritage, his background, because... As a Singaporean person, yes, even though the company <laughs> is, uh, you know, a Chinese-based company and probably has its responsibilities to the Chinese government, right? Whether we know or not that ByteDance does. ByteDance is, yeah. is directly funded by the Chinese government. As many respect, Chinese yeah. companies mm-hmm. are. This is part yes. of the structure there. Yes. Uh, in Singapore, we have the government has an investment fund. We call it the GIC. And the GIC also invests in some of the biggest Singaporean companies as a way to make money for the country or to make money to run the nation with. Um, America does that too. Yeah. Exactly. So, so, But the thing is, like, just how much are they, you know, beholden to the government? That's not clear. And I think that with someone like Chu up there, <laughs> you know, running uh-huh. TikTok, he he looks a lot like, now that I'm watching the live stream, the hearing, he looks a lot like Lee Hsien Long, <laughs> our former prime minister. Um, uh-huh. and, and, and he looks like he's doing his best to like come off very presentable very like you know uh unbiased uh i don't know him personally but i might He's because Singapore is really small hard. enough i feel Singapore i feel like you're already enough. you're rooting for him Shirlin. i feel like this is part I of the plan i don't know so he he became know. tiktok ceo like two years ago i believe we have not really he heard was at xiaomi before that let's yeah, be clear yeah. um yeah. And I, I think he posted something to the official TikTok account this, uh, this yeah, yep. week, and people are like, "Who the hell are you? What are you? Ooh. What are you talking about? Speaking for TikTok?" There were reports that people at TikTok, um, like like a lot of Twitter executives, had to show him how to use the app, you know, and how to actually do it. Like he he was not actually a power user. The executives are never never are, so that's not too surprising. But okay, he is. It, this is a weird thing. Like TikTok is one of those things where it has full bipartisan like ammunition directed at it because nobody uh, like the political thing in America now is to like want to banish TikTok for whatever reasons. And uh, Republicans, Democrats have their own like particular reasons for it. I, I don't know what's going to happen. Like, I don't think he's in a good position. I also think a lot of this stuff is, um, feels like a waste of our government's time. You know, you can, you can block things from government. You can block apps from government devices all you want, but it, a lot of things that are happening here are not like driven by, I think things actual, like normal people have to worry about. So anyway, we're, we're going to follow um, this. Yeah. Uh, to be clear, he replaced uh, the former CEO, Kevin A. Mayer. And Kevin A. Mayer left TikTok or ByteDance after only three months as CEO. Uh, and so Chu has joined it, what was it like, in March 2021. He's got something like two years under his belt as CEO of ByteDance. So we can't, I can't say that he's like only just adjusting to the company right now, right? Like he's still, he, he's been there two years. You, you, he knows. And so this will be an interesting hearing. Like you said, we should go back and watch, look at Engadget.com to see what the takeaways are. I will, uh, my sense is that, again, as someone who is Singaporean and had, had to leave Singapore, <laughs> For reasons, my uh-huh. sense is he will be very political, but he will not give any actual answers to questions. Um, that's just that's just how Singaporean politicians play it. Yeah, uh, but but I am also now super super neutral. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna go back and start uh, looking for people in, I know who might know him, and then maybe we'll have some kind of big feature story on Engadget.com. Okay.
In other news, uh, we we covered Tesla's new wireless charging platform. And sure, Lynn, I guess because you're the mobile queen, as we say, and the lead of our mobile coverage, this this came to you. This it, it's just a wireless charging bay. What is so special about this? Okay, okay, uh-huh. okay. Uh-huh. Have you heard about? Have you heard? Have you read my hands on? <laughs> Sort of. <laughs> yeah. So, okay, here's the thing. What's what's special about it? First of all, this is a Tesla-branded uh, wireless charger. Oh, man. Yeah, I know. So already it costs $300, okay? Okay? Um, but never mind. Uh, it's the, the interesting thing about it, and setting aside the reason, the cost, because like all Tesla products all cost quite a lot more than their usuals. Um, Although that's a whole thing. The cars have dropped in price because of everything. Right. But like the flamethrower, yeah, yeah. the hoodie or whatever it is. Like, <laughs> yeah. Sort of thing. Yeah. You know, like, I will yeah. never forget yeah. about the flamethrower. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We, we, yeah. I love that. Um, so setting aside that for a while, here's what's unique about this, right? It's that it's using free powers. Um, like overlapping coil technology in in the wire uh, wireless charging. So basically, the promise of what Apple's Air Power was uh, saying it would deliver, which is you can throw not only up to like three devices on there, but you can throw them anywhere you want on the surface, and they will be able to charge. You don't have to line up the coils to each other. It's about this so-called concept of spatial freedom, right? You just don't have to like really be so careful as to where you toss your thing and that that is one of yeah. the most annoying things about wireless charging like if you're not right on target you're you're not yeah. charging so it's point exactly yeah. and and so where where apple abandoned air power to pursue magsafe using magnets to make sure the alignment is easy i love it uh, love it yeah i know it works but era formerly era now free power um decided to continue looking into this like uh overlapping coils to deliver like a charge um through uh through magnetic fields so i spoke with um the founder of free power uh for a little bit before i did this hands on and i mean it works i got i can tell you it works and it's very premium i mean the 300 dollars you're paying goes not only to the technology here but also to the tesla look and the very cyber truck aesthetic uh the whole platform feels very dense and very solid and premium and there's alcantara fabric on it too you said it got really warm as it was charging so so bad. yeah i was about to yeah. get to that so uh-huh. here i noticed that picking up my phones after leaving them on the platform for a bit they felt really hot um especially anything that was like well i would say anything that i left to charge to full would stop getting hot after like it would cool down so it would be fine but like if it was mid-charge that i picked it up it did get pretty hot um and that's one of the reasons that the air power mat supposedly didn't launch reportedly it was because it was getting too hot um i will say that like i have never left a device on there overnight uh though did like i did just say that like when it reaches a full charge it doesn't keep charging so the the it cools down over time but it, it feels like a, it's a point of concern um air power was i think going to use 20 overlapping coils this thing has 30 overlapping coils uh and the first gen products that uh free power has made in collaboration with nomad goods used 18 coils or so none of those seem to have exploded although other companies that have attempted this sort of technology uh this coil design uh, have had their products recall recalled uh recoiled uh-huh. re- re- recoiled recalled uh i think it was not the fda but like the other another regulatory body had to recall them so there is some healthy skepticism to be had around this type of product still 
this is this just brings to mind like how how little i care about wireless charging in general because this whole like field has been such kind of a mess um we've been talking about for practically a decade now and it's still like the same problem so you got to get your thing in the right spot Uh, not all devices support it um so so many things like i tested the rivian r1s which is a ninety thousand dollar suv which has a nice little wireless charging pad for you to put your phone on so sleek so nice once you start moving because it's a car yeah the entire things move around the the phone starts moving around it's not it's not actually charging the whole time there's no magnets there's no magnets. It doesn't like suck it in. Um, should it would be nice if there were magnets, but Android phones don't have MagSafe, so it, it wouldn't really work. Um, it should be like a little pocket you just like slide your phone into or something. But anyway, it just feels like man, the confidence of a cable. The confidence. I plug in a thing. I hear the tongue. It's charging. That's it. And I don't always have that with wireless, and I just can't. It's nice to have. It's not essential. Like at all. I, will- I guess. Yeah. I will say that, like, speaking of cables, I mean, the one thing I liked about this thing was how long the cable was. <laughs> my, <laughs> my, love the cable. Great cable love work. How long it was. My, uh, I love long things. My cable, the wire, the, the, the iPhone charger that I currently have for my, like, living room setup is too short. Um, and it's nice to be able to just, like, have this right next to me on my couch and throw the phone on there and not worry. Even it's though it does not, take forever to charge, yeah, yeah. it does. It's nice to be able to sit on your couch and look at your phone sitting on that wireless charging bay that yeah. you cannot remove. You can't just, like, have your you phone You can remove it. You just got to put it back. And then, and well, then when you pick it up, it's, it's hot. You, no, you know. yeah, I know. I know. I know. You're right <laughs> that if you, like, have a phone wire attached to it, you can lift it up. Uh, freaking because it's cable? Attached. Yeah, yeah freaking cable. You yeah. can use your phone while it's charging. Amazing. True, true. Uh, and it's charging faster, too. So the time you have to wait for it to, like, sit there and charge is, like, you know. Um, the There was another thing. Oh, and, and to be clear, this wireless charging platform that Tesla made does work with Android phones, too. So as long as it's T-compatible... It works. So that is kind up of to nice you. That, still, to yeah. me, still not worth $300. I don't care about your Cybertruck aesthetic, and I don't care. And the heat is a little too much. So it's not It's not good. Um, not good. Yeah. Okay, okay. Well, there was something else we covered, which I don't think anybody expected, but Acer is apparently making an yeah. e-bike. Okay. <laughs> I thought that was so funny. Okay, it's cool. It's called cool. the EBI, the E-B-I-I, and it looks very cute. Sarah Fielding reported on this for us. And uh, it looks fine. It looks like an e-bike with uh, with Acer sort of design, but nothing special here. It has like a weird like cylindrical kind of base. It just looks like a battery because that's all these things are. They're batteries with wheels, right? Exactly. Hopefully they <laughs> Have don't Have you explode. done an e-bike uh, ride yet, Sherlyn? Uh, our former co-worker, Evan Rogers, had an e-bike that I was able to uh, get on and try a little bit. I really enjoy it. It's kind of like a, well, the one that he had was a bit bulkier, so it felt more yes, like a motorcycle. Yeah. <laughs> I love. Yeah, he had a big one, as I recall. This is sort of like a mini bike. Um, it's not quite folding bike, but it is short. Like the wheels look small. Um, there, there's a lot of there are a lot of arguments that e-bikes should be like what more of us are relying on. So it's kind of cool. I don't know. Would you ever get an e-bike, Sherlyn? Maybe yes. This one? So I, I have an e-scooter that I bought off of my cousin that is still in San Francisco, <laughs> hanging out with Chris Velasco. <laughs> so I need to <laughs> take it over. <laughs> oh, that's not that's not safe. Now you'll never get that bike back. Sorry. Uh, yeah, we're never getting it back because I can't figure out how to transport it back home. That's really all. Well, it also, is. like, yeah, you left it with Chris Velasco. I don't know what's going to happen. We'll see. 
We'll see. We'll Shout see. out to Chris. We'll see. Shout uh, out to Chris. Let's move on to yes. what's happening around in Gadget. Um, a couple of things. Uh, let me see here. Sam Rutherford covered Redfall, the new shooter yes. from uh, from Arcane, and I love Arcane. I love the Dishonored series. I love uh, what was the the other game that just happened, the PS5 game. I, I love their stuff. So check out his preview of this it sounds really interesting do you want yes. to talk about the tripod desk pro sherlin oh my gosh so matt smith our uk bureau chief uh also wrote about uh this week he wrote about a tripod desk pro which is basically a tripod <laughs> that you stick a like a square or round whatever surface onto and turn it into a table and according to matt this really changed his whole work from home setup I, I need it. I kind of need it because I'm wanna, I'm like Matt. We're both like people who live in our own apartments with like limited space and moving furniture around. Like every time we do this live stream or this podcast recording, I got to like move at least three <laughs> pieces of furniture around. Well, actually two. So it would be nice to like have something I can collapse and put away when I'm not using it. Um, yeah. So I was intrigued if you're all Some, somebody literally situation. was in their apartment, looked at a piece of t- like like a, a flat table, yeah, looked a at tripod. their tripod and was like, what if? Yeah. What if we just put them together? <laughs> so Love good. It. I can't. Okay. Yeah. Next up, uh, also around in Gadget this week, Billy Steele, our resident audio and grill uh, guru, uh, wrote about Kamado Joe's new ceramic grill. It's got some built-in smart features. It's got a one-button ignition. Uh, I don't know if you all know this, but uh, Billy's nickname around in Gadget is Grilly Steele. So... Yeah, uh, check that out if you're interested in some backyard cooking appliances or actually I don't think this, wherever outdoor space you have, right? Whatever, patio, whatever. Um, also, this week on the Engadget YouTube channel, we've got a video about the history of game controllers. It was made by senior video producer Brandon Quintana. Um, if you're interested in game controllers at all, you should give it a check. I think we've got some shout outs to PS5, obviously, but also Nintendo, uh, the Xbox Adaptive. A lot of interesting things coming out on that front. So take a look. Let's move on to what we've been working on. And I'm testing uh, one of Acer's new glasses-free uh, 3D gaming laptops. This is the Helios um, Helios 300, I believe, and it has their Spatial Apps technology. I'm working on the review. Um yeah, what do you think, Shalom, when you hear about glasses-free 3D? Like, is that uh, something you would pay for? No. <laughs> <laughs> First of all, would I don't pay, pay for much. you pay $3,500 for, $3, $3, for no. that in a laptop? I'm a stingy bee, okay? So I will not. <laughs> uh, but hey, I'm a stingy bee and a stingy bee. Um, but I, I, I also think immediately when I think glasses-free 3D, I think right back to when... I don't know how eight, maybe years ago where people were trying to make glasses free 3D TV a thing. TVs, yeah. That was at CS, right. yeah. Yes. And I was like, I don't care. Like, I, what, what do I want this thing, to, like projectiles flying at me when I'm watching my TV? No, I want to chill. I, I don't know. You want to chill. Well, I feel like for some movies, like maybe you would want it. But here's the thing. Um, gamers want a lot of things in a gaming laptop, right? They want high frame rates. They want as much speed as possible. They want like beautiful, silky smooth screens. That is that is not happening with this laptop, unfortunately, because um, it's limited to 4K 60 hertz display. The 3D sort of like changes the resolution to 1080p. So it's like 1080p yeah. per eye. It just doesn't mm. look that good. I've tested a couple yeah. games like God of War and Forza Horizon 5, and it's cool. It's cool to have like a sense of 3D, but I would much rather have, you know, 120 FPS that's super silky smooth and looking nice rather than the slightly added depth. So 
Not a huge fan of this thing. Um, it is funny that both Acer and Asus are working on this technology because, again, these companies don't always know what people want. So they have to, like, explore new things, right? So I'm not a huge fan of this. Maybe this tech will go somewhere. Any thoughts on this, Sherlin? What's the, refre what's the refresh rate again if you don't use, like, if you go down Six to... If you 60? go to it, normally it's 60 hertz. It's 4K 60 hertz. I think in some games, it does feel like it slows down to 30 FPS. That may just be the limitation of Forza Horizon. For the game itself, and yeah. Especially then, um, well, it's Horizon with their 3D tech. So Horizon can go as fast as your computer goes. But if it comes down to me playing a game in 30 FPS with 3D versus just 60 FPS, like, give me the 60. Give me the smooth, right. fast car. Exactly. That's what I want. Exactly. Um, so yeah, not a huge fan of this thing. Um, I know you're working on some Halo updates, right, Shulin? So yeah, remember we just talked about how Google completely derailed my week. So last week I said I was working on the Halo Rise. This week I'm still working on the Halo Rise because yeah, I, I had to like just move everything, shift everything over just to do some BART and Tesla write-ups. Um, so I'm going to continue to work on the Halo Rise review. And we've got a fun video, I hope, coming up for y'all. Um, and maybe we were talking about maybe a mukbang style live stream of me sleeping i don't know i, I would not recommend that i feel no, like uh, that chat would yeah. get gross real fast Very uh weird. what are we let's move on to what we're watching what do you what do you have to say <gasps> this week for I have a very lame one. You're going to love it. It is. is. This, this feels like every week. This is what you're this doing, but okay. Yeah. Um, uh, you know how last week I talked about we should watch Married at First Sight? Uh, <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> this week, uh -huh. I'm, I'm recommending everyone that took that recommendation to watch Married at First Sight to go watch Rehashed with Wilco. Um, no. It is a, what? <laughs> it is a recap show. <laughs> of things like Married at First Sight, Bachelor's franchise. Basically, Wilco is a person, uh, a YouTube creator at least, who uh, recaps trash, mess, and drama. Okay, so TMD, trash, mess, and drama. So all the shows out there, I mean, Wilco is based in Australia, so a lot of Australian shows, uh, but they, he's also doing a uh, covering Perfect Match, which is a show on Netflix right now. Um, and he is hilarious. He's got great takes. His uh, whole like theme song is amazing. It's him dressed up as a bride because he's getting married at first sight, I guess. Uh, and he, you know, his fan base is known as the Sweet Baby Angels because he, like, there was one episode where I think he like looked at a contestant and was like, oh, sweet baby angel, do you even know? You know, and, and that's stuck. And all of us are now sweet baby angels if you're in the community. So Rehash at Wilco, it's on YouTube. Uh, if you've watched any of Married at First Sight Australia or any of um, uh, Bachelors Australia or, excuse me, uh, Perfect Match is another thing. A lot of different like drama, trash, reality uh -huh. dating shows. This is a good way to like, yeah, just just to get the validation and catharsis. So you like, need, yes, you that's exactly. You don't it. just need the trash. You need the trash on the trash, making fun of the trash. Yes. No, okay. well, yeah, Love you it. don't just Love need the trash. It uh -huh. You need to talk to people about the trash. You need to like rehash the trash, right? You need to be it's like, fine. yeah, rehash trash. There's a trash. show. There's a show title. Free yeah, title exactly. for you, Trillin. Do something with yeah. it, please. I want to talk about real quick uh, Swarm, which is the new show by Donald Glover and Janine Neighbors. Oh yeah, and yeah. um. It's super. It's it's a show about a like a twenty something girl who's a super fan of an artist who is sort of like a Beyonce equivalent, and it sort of like dives into the darkness of fandom, of obsessive fandom, of our culture too that really treats celebrity and turns them into gods in many ways too. So it is. It's a thriller series. It's kind of a horror series um, too because there's a lot of killing going on and. Um, 
it is also really funny at times too. So it feels like an extended uh, sequence from Atlanta. I've loved Atlanta, the show. Um, highly recommend that to everybody. This one is like one concept. What if a super fan went on a murdering spree? Basically, um, cool. it's kind of. I've cool. seen that Criminal Minds like episode. It. Yeah, <laughs> sort of like <laughs> that. But yeah, it is more absurd, more fantastical. And I think more, you know, just more extreme than you would expect. But I think you would appreciate it, Sherlyn, somebody who likes horror stuff and uh, somebody who thinks about like just what it, what it is to be very online. Someone mm-hmm. who also has scary fans. <laughs> yeah. I mean, this may listen. There, There's <laughs> a lot of scary real. fan stuff happening these days. But, you know, uh, it's also funny the discourse around the show is kind of mirroring some of like what the show is actually talking about too. So, you know, I, I I've liked a lot of Donald Glover stuff. He has a lot of critics too, and a lot of people don't like the way he treats black women, and that is that is a whole thing. I think the show is worth watching, and just to come to your own conclusions about this stuff. And Dominique Fishback stars as the she stars in the show. I think she does tremendous work here. It's really good. So check it out. That Swarm on Amazon Prime. Well, that's it for the episode this week, everyone. Thank you, as always, for listening. Our theme music is by game composer Dale North. Our outro music is by our very own Terrence O'Brien. This podcast is produced by Ben Elman. You can find Devendra online at... At Devendra on Twitter and at Devendra at Mastodon.social on the Elephant site. If you want to send me some real spicy questions for Bard AI, you can send them to me on Twitter. I am at Sherlyn Lowe. Email us your thoughts at podcast.engadget.com. Leave us a review, please, on iTunes and subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. Uh, do a plank for as long as you can. <laughs>